Matthew chapter 5 is our text for this, uh, this series. We've been talking about the Beatitudes. We've been talking about uh, the very first teaching that Jesus gave in public. And what he expects out of us as his followers. What he expects out of us as his children. Not what uh, he expects out of the world. I think that's the biggest mistake that is made. Many times we as Christians have put expectations on those outside of faith to become like this or to become like us, to become like Christians. They're never going to be that way, folks. Can I just break this news to you? The lost are never going to be like the found until they are found in Jesus Christ. We cannot expect those who don't know Christ as their Savior to embrace our values we can't expect them to try to, to want to live like us and want to become like us until they have Jesus in their heart. What this is for, what this teaching is all about, is how we as followers of Christ should act, what we should aspire to, what we should expect out of the life that he has called us to live. We're going to be getting uh, reading in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, if you'll stand with me as we Read this scripture. It says, When he saw the crowds, he went up into the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And here's the last one, and this is where we're at. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom is he of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you falsely and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You may be seated. Now, one of the big challenges we have, one of the big questions that we have in one of the big, um, yes, I almost fell over. Thank you. I caught myself, caught myself. Uh, one of the biggest, I guess it's, uh, it's a debate among many Christians, but one of the biggest questions is what is persecution? Are we really being persecuted or are we just people who have thin skin? I think when you read this passage, if you read verses 11 and 12 carefully, Jesus says, equates insulting us for our faith. First, the first thing he says, if, you per, if you're persecuted for righteousness sake, okay? This isn't because you are, you know, you, you like soccer and not football. This isn't because you like volleyball and not basketball. This is because you are attempting to live a righteous life in the eyes of Jesus Christ. You're attempting to take the teachings of the scriptures and apply them to your lives, and to live accordingly. If you do that, and people begin to harass you, people begin to talk about you, he says, if they insult you, and then persecution can go to another level, where they make it a physical thing, where they attack you. And we see much of that going on. Last week, I went down a whole list of, uh, of facts about uh, persecution in the world just in the last 20 years and then in the last 10 years here in America. All the churches that have been burned, all the, the Christians who have been attacked, all the church shootings. Folks, listen, the debate isn't what is persecution. The debate is how do we handle it? How are we to face it? How, do we, how are we to look at it? How are we to see it? And how are we to Respond. Remember, I, I'm fully in the camp of responding and not reacting. I think responding is a, a chance for when you respond to something, you take some time to consider your response. You take some time to cool down and give a response. When you react, you usually fly off the handle, and that's when we get ourselves in trouble. But here in, in this passage, Jesus is saying, after all of this, after everything I've just told you, after everything I expect out of you, after everything I ask of you, and I want you to become in my name, just know this. People are going to hate you and pick on you and persecute you 
simply because you believe in me. Just because you believe in me, you're going to be a target. See, we get, we get distracted by whether or not it's persecution when we should just simply understand that because of the way we stand, for what we stand for, what we attempt to live for, Jesus said that is going to bring persecution in your life. Now, persecution, I believe, is an incredibly difficult topic of conversation for many Christians in America because most of what we're facing isn't the go to jail, get killed, or beaten kind of persecution. But persecution, as I said, takes on many forms, and most important, in my opinion, is that we recognize it for what it is. See, persecution is the word. This is incredibly important to understand, folks. Persecution is the working of Satan in our lives to distract, hinder, and destroy our work and testimony. Let me say that again. Persecution is the working of Satan in our lives to distract, hinder, and destroy our work and testimony. How many friends do you have who have dropped out of church and are not actively serving God or living for Him simply because it got too difficult to stand for Christ? I think those of us who have walked with the Lord for, for any length of time, no people who fall into that category. It just became too difficult to deal with the, the harassment, to deal with the jokes, to deal with the, 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 the um, being picked on or going to the family uh, gatherings and being made fun of. Or the overt actions of people simply harassing you because of what you believe. Having to defend every stand you take now it's popular. I mean, I somebody put me in the category of a right-wing terrorist this week just because, hey, listen, man, and I'm, I don't get political and I don't, because I don't think this is a political statement. I disagree 100% with abortion. 100%. 100%. Let me say that again just in case it did, just in case the audience online didn't get it. I, I disagree 100% with abortion, okay? That's my stand. I'm not going to go blow up your house over it. I'm not going to go fight you over it. I, that's how I feel. My feelings do not dictate the laws of the land. The laws of the land are the laws of the land. I live in Massachusetts. That, you're never going to get rid of abortion in Massachusetts. Doesn't mean I, can, I still can't say I don't like it. And it doesn't mean I'm a terrorist. But it doesn't mean I hate anybody either. I don't hate anybody. I just feel differently on an issue. And I have moral grounds from the word of God to stand that way. And if you would like to take the time to sit down and have an honest discussion about my moral beliefs Taken from the, not what you think, not what the, you think the Constitution says, not what the government rules. I could care less about that when it comes to my moral standings. I take my morality from the Word of God. Okay? That's my standing. It doesn't make me a terrorist. I don't think it's right for anybody to call me that. But you know what? They do. Oh, well. I'm also not going to hide in my basement and stock up on canned goods because people don't like what I believe. I'm going to live my life. I can't allow somebody else's disagreement with me to dictate how I follow Jesus Christ. The bigger question or the bigger problem is that Satan wants to frustrate you into making a mistake. He wants to frustrate you into getting you to quit. He wants to frustrate you into doing anything but following Jesus. And he wants to do it subtly, as to, to paraphrase Charles Baudelaire, the prettiest trick of the devil is to convince you that he doesn't exist. You see, when we start discussing what, what, what it had, what, this person, what, whatever you want to call this, has to rise to before it becomes persecution, we're missing the point. 
Because if you allow it to get to a certain degree, then you've lost the battle. Rather than argue about whether this or that is actual persecution, what we should realize as Christians is that persecution exists in many forms and styles. Satan designs his attack to take best advantage of the weaknesses of people, families, and societies. Listen, if you don't have a problem with a certain thing, guess what Satan's not going to attack you with? If you don't have a problem with eating cheese, if you, if you don't have a problem with, being, with not being a vegan or a vegetarian, guess what? He's not going to tempt you with meat. He's, and that's just kind of a silly example. But he's going to tempt you. He's going to attack you. He's going to harass you with things that will bring you down. And the moment you take your eyes off Jesus and put your eyes on situations and circumstances and allow him to get his claws into you is the moment you're going to start slipping away from your Savior. Once again, this is not a sermon to complain or whine about mistreatment or a rough life. This is a sermon about information, about warning and preparation, a time for us to take stock in what is going on in our society, how it affects us as followers of Christ, and what the dangers of failing to face it are. Listen, can I tell you something? And I, I'm, listen, there comes a time when you have to take a stand and you have to make your statements very clear. And this is that time. When pastors stand in the pulpit and say it's a sin for Christians to be against abortion. And when pastors, I'm going to get a little, little more personal, so please don't, don't shoot me. When pastors stand in the pulpit and when churches change their doctrine, change the word of God to say that Jesus endorses same-sex anything, then we've caved and we're giving in to the leading of Satan in our lives. Folks, the word of God is clear. It's very, very clear. Satan is attacking the church and the church leadership into trying to shame us into accepting sin as fact. And the moment we do that, we lose our credibility for Jesus Christ. We lose our credibility for standing for what is right and what is true. Like I said, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. I want everybody to come to know Jesus Christ. But just because I dis just because you disagree with the way I stand does not mean first of all that I hate you or secondly that you should go around abusing me. Once again, I'm not complaining. I've got very thick skin. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. But it does not make us people of hatred. You have to understand that that argument now being flipped on us and people attacking us and saying we're hating them, that is eroding the confidence that we as Christians have. And when leadership starts to cave on what is true according to the word of God, well, then those who follow leadership cave on it as well. And we begin to lose our power as followers of Jesus Christ. Understand this, we are in a war spiritually. We're in a war. Jesus tells us that. He says, Satan is our enemy who will attack us constantly. He will continue to attack us. He will go after you. He will try to find your weakness. Every, listen, if we were all given truth serum and we were to go around this auditorium, and ask each person, honestly, what is your weak spot in life? Every one of us knows where we're weak, right? Every one of us knows where our weaknesses are. I know where mine are. I absolutely know where mine are. If you know where your weaknesses are, don't you think the prince of darkness knows where your weaknesses are? Don't you think he knows exactly where your weaknesses are. And if God has a plan for your life, don't you think his adversary has a plan for your destruction? Folks, we have to start waking up to what's going on and realize that it's not friendship to cave on your, on your biblical moral beliefs. 
It's not building a bridge when you cave on what the Bible teaches. Building a bridge is in spite of our differences, I still love you, I still care about you, and I still want to reach out to you and share the love of Jesus Christ with you. That's what building a bridge truly is as a Christian. Our enemy doesn't play by any rules of sanity or fairness. He is pure evil. And he wants to destroy you in any way he can. Not only will he exploit your weaknesses, he'll also use your friends and neighbors to harass, humiliate, and attack, and berate you for what you believe until you either take a stand or walk away from your faith. He'll attack our core beliefs as followers of Jesus and try to make us question their truth for society today, just like he did to Eve. Remember what he said to Eve? Remember the subtle way he approached Eve? Eve said, God said we can eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of life. Now she added something to it. She said, we couldn't even, that he said we couldn't even touch it. Satan looked at her, and I often wonder why Christians are surprised by Satan's question. Listen, he's evil. He's the source of evil, right? He's where evil emanates from. And he, he lied. He said, did God really say that? Well, yeah, he did, but Eve caved. See, Satan will come to you and say, is that really what God means? Come on now, if we look back and we look, we have to examine the culture of Rome. Uh, we have to examine the Greek culture of, of the first century AD. Uh, we have to examine where, I mean, no, you don't. The word of God is either timeless or it isn't. It either applies to today or it doesn't. And yes, understanding that they didn't have cars back then can give you a better understanding of how long it took them to walk on, on, uh, on the road to Emmaus so they could have a conversation. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus wants to walk with you and talk with you and share truth with you, if, even if you're in your car. Okay? So, quickly reviewing last week, what is persecution? It's in any way, whatever, to harass, trouble, molest, persecute, be mistreated or on account of something. Any way that you are harassed, molested, persecuted, mistreated on account of something. Harassment is persecution. I think we all need to understand this because we, many people, don't, especially men, we don't want to accept this. Persecution does not mean you are weak. Persecution doesn't mean you're weak. Actually, quite the opposite. If you are not a threat to Satan's plan for the eternal damnation of others, then he's going to leave you alone. In spiritual warfare, you're either Satan's ally or you're his enemy. Say that again. In spiritual warfare, you're either Satan's ally or you're his enemy. <clears throat> 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Anybody ever been in a zoo and heard a lion roar? Holy cow. We were in the zoo in Kansas, in Manhattan, Kansas. And I heard this, it, it, was, it was just this loud noise, and it, it felt like it was shaking the ground. I didn't know where it was coming Came around the corner and I looked in the big cat cage and it was a lion roaring. It is one of the, it, not one of, it is the most intimidating sound of nature I've ever heard in my life. Scared me to death. And that thing was behind all kinds of barriers. Well, let me tell you, that's the kind of adversary we face. Somebody whose purpose and desire is to scare the life right out of you. Because of that, Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. That last part, the schemes of the devil. He has a scheme to destroy your life. He wants to destroy you. He doesn't mean you any good. He wants to destroy you. So that brings us to our message this morning. Some simple facts about the Christian life and persecution. Let me just say it right off the top. Jesus promised us that following him will have a cost. That's why we say all the time, count the cost. That's why Jesus said, which one of you, before you decide to build a tower, or before you decide to build a house, 
You know, we've, we've thought, because our house, we could use a little more room in our home right now, right? We have seven people uh, in, our, in our house. So we could use a little more room in our house. So I've, I've sat down and thought, well, maybe I could take out a, a home loan and, and like put an addition on. And I found out that putting, like putting a second story on my house would cost more than I paid for the house. So I'm not gonna do it. So we'll stay in our house, stay, you know, cozy. <laughs> but we sit down and we count the cost of things that we want to invest in or that we want to purchase or that we want to do. Jesus says, listen, if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost. How do you count the cost of following Jesus? You sit down and you read his word and ask and see what he asks of you. And you decide, am I willing to go that far? And I, am I willing to walk that road? Am I willing to do what he has asked of us? Listen, I'll say this out loud and in public. For one reason, I'm going to say this, please. And please, I've got to say this. I'm going I'm to say this, Aaron, okay? I've got to say this. I know that our church, that you as our church love us dearly. I know you support us in every possible way. And I know that you love the fact, or are, are supportive of the fact that we have five children. We've taken in three more kids. I, get, I understand it completely. But I need to make this clear. Um, not that anybody has done anything. But I need to make it clear because there are people watching just to look, just to see me slip up and, and send out. Please don't do anything on our behalf. Okay? Please don't send emails. Don't threaten anybody. Don't speak to anybody. God is my warrior. And he will handle the matter. Okay? I'm, I'm getting to be on a first name basis with the East Long Meadow Police Department. The next generation. And... It's because of whatever. We don't, that's not the way we deal with things in my house. And that's not the way God wants me to deal with it. If I wanted to handle people, I've got the old temper that could handle it. But I don't do those things. And I'm just, I'm just putting, not that anybody has done anything, but I'll give you context. The police were at our house yesterday because Apparently, somebody used a burner account to send death threats to a, the grandfather of three of our children, and they came, and they accused me of doing it. Uh, I don't use, I don't even know how to use a burner account, but I'm telling you, folks, and and that's just kind of the stuff that that happens. Please, please, don't do anything on our behalf like that. Okay, um, let me get back on track here. Uh, When we decided to do what we were going to do, we counted the cost. We sat down and counted the cost. And it really wasn't a huge discussion because three children needed a home. And we, and we love these three kids. They annoy, they're, just, they're kids, they're annoying. It's their job, truly. You have the same problem with your children, right? But we knew and we prayed about it and we had a peace about it. Now, I didn't know everything that was coming down the road, but I did know that it was the right thing to do. I don't regret it a bit, not one little bit, okay? And I'm not changing, I'm not changing course. We're just not gonna do it. That is, we counted the cost and as we continue to go, we count the cost more and more. That's the same thing that we have to do as Christians. Listen, folks, we live in Massachusetts. If you want a, if you're a right winger and you want a right wing society, you live in the wrong state. It's never going to happen. Can I, can I just share? It's never going to happen. So just, just get past that. If you're, you know, whatever, wherever you are, count the cost of following Jesus. That's what he says to us up front. Count the cost. Whether or not you have the strength or whether you're willing to put it out there to do it. He promised us that following him would have a cost. So why are we surprised when that cost and that bill comes due? Why are we surprised when people 
disagree with us, when people take stands against us. It's like sometimes we act as if we've, we've been, uh, we're being personally insulted. That's how people are. And that's what Jesus said to expect as his followers. So understand, it's going to happen and you have to be ready for it. Persecution comes when you take a stand. Billy Graham said, the Bible clearly says that faithfulness and persecution often go hand in hand. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, Jesus, the words of Jesus, they says this to us, if the world hates you, now, that's not a pretty word, is it? And that's not, well, you know, we have a disagreement. You like blue and I like red. Jesus said, if the world hates you. Jesus equated hating others with murder. We understand that, right? We're all on that. This is the level that Jesus is talking about. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as his own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not of this world anymore. We talked about it last week. Those of you who have been in church for years, you remember the old song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Man, listen. If you know Jesus as your Savior, if, you, if there was a time in your life where you realized that you were a sinner separated from God because of your sin, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sin, and you realized that repentance was the only way to have your life restored to you, and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior in a very simple prayer, if you are a true child of God, then you're not of this world anymore. And Jesus says, you cannot, be ex you cannot expect to be treated as a member of this world anymore. Not if you're going to live for me. Because the world is going to hate you just like it hated me. It says, but I have chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. Another powerful statement here. A servant is not greater than his master. A servant is not greater than his master. Why do you expect any different kind of treatment than the treatment they gave to Jesus? Servant isn't greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Very clearly, Jesus tells us that if we're living the way he told us to live, then the world will hate us. That word hate there that Jesus used, in the Greek it means to detest or to persecute. Jesus says the world will detest you for standing for me. You see, Christian, we're trying to be too cozy. We're trying to find, we're trying to find middle, not common ground. Common ground is when you both like coffee and you want to go have coffee together. Middle ground is where I compromise my beliefs to accommodate yours. There are some, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll let the Cowboys come in and play in Los Angeles. That's, that's, that's accommodating, right? That's, that's compromise. If they want to come into L.A. and get embarrassed in front of God, that's fine. That's fine. So I get to say these things up here. Uh, yeah, but I pay for it later. But when it comes, but when it comes to the truth of scripture, there is no compromise. There is no accommodation. There is no middle ground. You understand that, right? We do not equivocate on the scriptures just to make people happy and just to make people accepting of what we believe. It also, Christian, doesn't mean that you become an arrogant little snot and go around holding ugly signs and making ugly statements and making ugly posts on Facebook. That's not what it means. Or TikTok, is that TikTok? Do you, do you do things? I don't know. 
I do TikTok. I don't know what you do on TikTok, but I hear it's popular. We will we'll get to that in a minute. Persecution can happen simply for living the word of God. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 17. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, for that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. If they're going to accuse you of something, live in such a way that they have to lie about it. That's the easy, e easy uh, translation. If they're going to accuse you of something, if they're going to persecute you of something, make sure that you're living in such a way that they have to lie about it. Listen, I can, I can live above a lie because I know the truth. I'm never going to convince everybody of everything. I'm never going... Some people are always looking for a reason to not want to like you for whatever reason. But at least I can live in such a way that those lies don't become truth. Persecution is a sign that you're doing something right for the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4.14 If you are insulted because of the name of Christ... You are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You're blessed if you're standing in such a way that Satan is attacking you. Remember, we read these verses last week. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, against powers, against the demons of this world, against Satan's army. Stand strong in your faith, realizing that God is your power. Can I say this to you? God's favor is better than the world's friendship. God's favor is better than the world's friendship. It's vital that we understand no matter what persecution comes our way, Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Your failure to stand, your failure to act, even walking away from the fight, none of these affect your eternal relationship with Jesus. We see that in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. And it's just as important that we don't let persecution for discussion, uh, that we don't let persecution or discussion of the disagreement over it divide us as individuals, families, marriages, or a church. Listen, I, I have no qualms, especially at New Life, because there are so many differing opinions here. There's so many different viewpoints. There are so many different avenues that people have traveled to get to this point. I am under no illusion or delusion that everybody agrees with me on everything I stand for or everything I preach. Okay? I understand that. All right? But if we allow persecution or even the discussion or the disagreement over it to bring division among friends, among families, or among our church, then we are allowing Satan to win the battle. We cannot allow division to come in simply because we don't necessarily agree. That's another subtle tactic of Satan to destroy the church. <clears throat> Brings us to this question. Will you be persecuted today in this life, in this day and age? Will you be persecuted? Remember those, uh, remember the, the, anybody of you, any of you have those little eight balls when you were kids that had the floating thing and you'd ask a question. Yeah, I remember, I remember there was one in our house. Yeah. yeah. And it, you'd ask the question and shake it or whatever. And, and one of those things, I think to pair, one of the answers was, Signs point to yes, right? Will you be persecuted in today's society? Signs point to yes. Will you be persecuted in Massachusetts, in Western Mass? 
If you take, if you take stands according to the word of God, signs point to yes. So you need to be prepared. Leonard Ravenhill said this, if a Christian is not having tribulation in the world, there's something wrong. Luke 21, 12 says, but before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. When he says before all this, Jesus is talking about the end times. Before this in Luke, uh, just a couple, pa- couple verses before it, he talks about what the end times, the signs of the end times are going to be. And I can make a great argument for you, uh, with you, and have a great discussion on the fact that it's not that these signs have appeared or will appear. It's that all of the signs of the end times are appearing at the same time. Okay, that's the that's the that's the the, the to me that's the nail in the end times discussion coffin. That all of these signs that Jesus talked about, including the great falling away of believers from the faith, are happening all at the same time. Okay? Now, Jesus said, before all this will happen, you're going, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. That may not be happening, although it is happening in some parts of this country. Okay? It is happening. I'm gonna tread on some sensitive ground here again. Did you hear about the three young, three junior high boys, I believe it was, who were charged with a felony for dead naming another kid? Dead naming is referring them, referring to them as their old name, not the new name they chose because they're transitioning. Where you stand on that issue, what you think, it doesn't matter. This is America. I'm allowed to have whatever opinion I want. Okay? And when you charge me with a felony because I won't call a he a she, we got a problem. Okay? So that is beginning to happen here in this country. And by the way, they wouldn't because, first of all, they're junior hires for crying out loud. Anybody ever been around junior hires? When I was a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor, the very first area that I used to get somebody to take over for me was junior high. Because junior hires are junior hires. Okay? Persecution starts by being deceived. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 13. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. Persecution many times starts with deception. Listen, we may be persecuted, you may be persecuted for speaking the truth. Whether people like it or not, the Bible teaches the truth that we are supposed to be are supposed to believe. Make sure, here, here, make sure you believe what the Bible teaches, that you're not reading into it, that you're not adding into it. Make sure you're standing on the truth of the word of God and doctrine, okay? And because if, if that's where you are, you're going to face opposition. And that opposition may rise to persecution. You need to be ready for it. And by the way, we're going to talk about how to deal with it, all right? And it has nothing to do with guns and hand grenades and mortars. We may be, taking, we may be persecuted for taking a stand for morality. Those of us who stand on traditional values are called hateful, and as I said, even terrorists by those who disagree with us. Some are even being arrested and harassed for not complying with new societal rules. Simply for standing on your own morality. I thought, listen, I, th- I thought we were about freedom. We may, be su- we may be persecuted for rocking the boat of certain groups. It's going to happen. And this is the way it's going to look in America. Now, 
How should we respond to persecution as believers? Let me just start on this and we'll finish this next week. Because I think after everything I've said, and you may think I'm, I'm coming, maybe, I, maybe I'm coming across angry, I don't know. I'm, I'm not there. But maybe you think that we need to pick, take up the pitchforks and take up the, the weapons and, and fortify the house and do all this stuff. No, that's not the way we're supposed to handle it, folks. Maybe we're supposed to fight fire with fire, right? No, that's not the way we're supposed to handle it. Remember the end game. Remember the goal of the reason why you're still here. It's to win people to Jesus Christ. Why? Why is Pastor Oswaldo and his wife Flavia setting aside a Saturday night? Man, this is a family here. This is a, this is a family's family, right? They do everything together. They do everything together. They are a family's family. They're giving up a Saturday night, which is like a family night so that they can help other families grow stronger in their faith and realize that we're not alone. There's more of us here. And if we band together, we can be strong for each other. And when we're strong for each other, man, we can do just about anything in the name of Jesus. So we have to remember and realize those things. We don't pick up, we don't pick up weapons. We don't we don't fight back. We don't fight fire with fire. Well, how should we respond to persecution as believers? The first thing is this. Persecution should not make us bitter and angry. Persecution should not make you bitter and angry. You know what, you know what that will bring about? Bitterness and anger. <laughs> and the Bible says the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Listen, I know, I know it'll make you angry. Police officer yesterday, I said, officer, I wouldn't, I, 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 I'm just shocked that you're here and even, even broaching this topic, making this kind of an accusation. And he said, well, I don't believe it. Now you tell me how you'd respond to this. He says, I don't believe it. That's why nobody's leaving right now in handcuffs. Wow, that escalated quickly. I, okay, wow. You know what? My wife and I stood there and talked with that officer for about an hour. We laid out our hearts. We laid out our lives. We laid out what we're doing. They, he saw our children and he, he realized, he said, I see these kids are happy. I see they're healthy. You guys aren't that kind of people. He said, I have a job to do, but I also have a mind of my own. And I realized that this isn't you. And now we have someone who understands where we're coming from, okay? If I'd have flown off the handle, you know what would have happened? I'd have been taken away in handcuffs, okay? Folks, we don't respond with bitterness and anger. We also don't respond in ways that are unhealthy for us and getting arguing amongst ourselves. Romans 12, 14 says, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, Oh, this one kind of sticks in the throat. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. You know what I ask of you? And, th and I would never have said anything about this had it not been somebody in this congregation was accused of those emails. I'll just put it out there. Okay. The accusation came that it was either us or somebody from our church that did this. Okay. Can I just say this, folks? With me, with Aaron, with our five children, with my oldest son, my grandkids, my daughter-in-law, just rejoice with us as a family. We're thrilled to death that we have what we have. We're excited. It's, it's great. It really is. We're a happy family. We're doing our dead level best to give these kids the home that they, all five of them, that they need to, to give time to our grandchildren, to our daughter-in-law and our son and, and my son. And we're, we're doing our dead level best to be a happy family and to exude Jesus Christ to the world. All we ask from you is that you rejoice with us. That's it. 
Because that's what Jesus wants from us. We don't respond to persecution with anger and with bitterness. Matthew 5, 44 and 45, Jesus goes on after saying this, the, the, the Beatitudes. He, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I'll be transparent. I have a hard time praying right now for, for those people. But I know that if I'm going to get through this and to honor Jesus Christ, I better pray for them. I better. If I want to be blessed by God in all areas, I better pray. I better hit my knees and lose my pride and lose any anger that is building up. And I better pray. Why? Because Jesus says to pray for your enemies. He says that you may be children of your father in heaven. Why? Because he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Bless them, pray for them, and love them. It's hard. <laughs> but if we are going to follow Jesus and be like Jesus, remember, after all the persecution he endured, he stretched out his arms and he died for their sins. And he expressed the greatest amount of love that's ever been expressed in the history of the universe. How can I not follow that example? Romans 12, 14 through 21. We're not going to read, take the time to read that. You can read that on your own. It tells us not to give evil for evil, but to be honorable. It says to live at peace with anyone that you can. It says not to pursue vengeance, but to leave vengeance to God. And in verse 21, I think it says the most powerful statement to us as followers of Christ and truly what is at stake when it comes to your response to persecution. It says, do not be conquered by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that looks like in your life. Maybe that means you bake an extra, extra dozen of cookies and hand them out. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it means that you, uh, you, you know, go grocery shopping and buy an extra bag of groceries for someone who is just nothing but, a, uh, but trouble for you. I don't know. But Jesus says, overcome the evil with good. Don't let the evil conquer you. Why? Because if the evil conquers you, then you're going to be going down the road of Satan. And you're going to be fulfilling the plan that Satan has for your life. Don't be, co be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I think that might be the, the greatest challenge in dealing with persecution, not to become bitter, angry, and not to retaliate. Listen, wanting to retaliate and retaliating are two different things. Once you retaliate, you have to ask for forgiveness because the deed has been done. Wanting to retaliate, that's temptation. And that's what you can take to Jesus and say, this is what is hindering me right now. This is what I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling with this right now. You've got to give me the strength. You've got to give me the courage. You've got to give me the hope that everything is going to be okay. In times when hope is tough to see. In Romans 12, 18 through 20, we'll end with this. Paul says, if it, is as, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If it had stopped at verse 19, it would have been wonderful. Because that, that's doable right there, right? Stopping at verse 19. He has to add verse 20. And verse 20 is the dagger in the heart. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That's not our response, right? If our enemy is hungry, man, we want to starve him out, right? Jesus says, no, if your enemy is hungry, Paul writes, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Man. 
said, I don't know about you, but there are times in life where life becomes real. And when scripture just jumps out at me, and when he talks about persecution and my response to those who, who wish me harm or wish me ill or wish my family, like I said, hey, my gosh, do what you want. I'm, I'm a man. I can, I'll handle myself. No problem. I've got, have you seen my brother-in-law in the back? Bob is a big man. Okay. Bob knows people. Right? Just kidding. But I've got a family. And I have, my flesh, huh, are you kidding me? My flesh wants to go on a tirade. My flesh wants to, wants to go handle matters, but I can't handle matters. I'm not that guy. I can't be that guy. Not if I'm going to honor Christ. Therefore, I will give my anger to him. I will give my bitterness to him. I will give my frustration to him. I will give my questions to him. I will give everything that is feeding into bitterness and anger to him so that he will teach me how to deal with it and then how to turn it into something beautiful for his kingdom. That's what I'll do because that's what I'm called to do. And that's what we're called to do. We're never called to be angry. We're never called to retaliate. We are called to love and to point people to Jesus. As difficult as that is, that's our calling. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the clear teaching of your word. Lord, there are times when we just don't like to hear it. Truly, Lord, times when we just don't like to hear it. And Father, there are times when we're forced to confront truth and live in a way that you've told us to live. And sometimes we don't like that either. But God, nothing changes the fact that it's truth. And I pray this morning that as we contemplate where we're at, where we're at in our lives, where we're at in our stands, where we're at in, in our walk with you. As we contemplate, as, as we do exactly what you told us to do, Lord, you told us to count the cost. As we sit down and as we count the cost to see whether or not we have what it takes and we're willing to see this through to the end. God, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your strength. We pray for your covering. And we pray for the grace and the power to stay within your covering. God, when, it's, when we get outside of it is when we get ourselves into trouble. And I pray that we will stay there and allow you to work. God, as we go from this place today, may we go forward as worshipers, as we fellowship God, I pray that you'll bless our time, bless the food, bless us all, God. May this be a time of, of family here at New Life. May everything be done for your honor and for your glory. Thank you for this time, Lord. In your name, amen.